Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Continuing on in a series uh, through the book of John. If you've got a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to grab your Bible. You can always go to our website, catch up with the live streams, the podcasts on uh, this message. We've been going verse by verse through the book of John. And uh, here we are today in John chapter 11. The book of John has really been fun because it's a snapshot of what God looks like. You know, the people at that time kind of had uh, a warped view of what God looked like. So when John authored this book inspired by the Holy Spirit, it literally was a picture of, of here's what God looks like. Here's, here's uh, God literally coming in the flesh and colliding with mankind. And we've seen in every chapter a different encounter, a different way that he interacts with people, a different scenario that happens. And so when you read the whole book of John and you put the whole thing together, you really get a really good picture of what God is and, and kind of really puts it in just a really great perspective. So in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John... And uh, we're picking up on John chapter 11 today. You know, I just want to say this too as we're kind of clunking through here the month of January. Hard to believe. Um, I didn't, uh, I meant to spend some time on it last week or so and I didn't really get a chance. But just wanted to say again, I know I've said it, say again, just a really hearty thank you for all of you um, that prayed for, uh, you financially supported, you rolled up your sleeves, you got involved with everything that we did in the month of December. You know, we're Christians. <laughs> month of December is known for Christmas, right? It's the biggest month of the year for the church. And we literally had thousands uh, of people attend the different programming. You know, Easter is always fun and, and the different services, different times of year is fun. But usually it's really centered around one event. You know, Easter is Easter Sunday. No one wants to really come a week after or a week before, you know. But Christmas, you know, we start with the foster party. Uh, we, have, uh, we have all the big events that we do. We have the big luminary hikes. Uh, we have just all the other, you know, things happening in the schools and so forth, the different parties. And so there's just a lot of celebration that takes place in the month of, of December. But thank you. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, even for the, you know, those of you that bought presents for the foster party, and I know I've said it again. I've I, I, I repeated it, but I just don't know if we can ever just say thank you enough. Now that we've really kind of had a chance to kind of look back, things are gearing up again. You know, we put Awana on hold our Wednesday nights. We, we canceled our Sunday night Bible studies for December to kind of give you a break and give you a chance to kind of rest a little bit and regroup. And now here we are. Awana Clubs is going again. The marriage counseling seminar is going again. And, and all these different things are picking up again. So uh, I just don't ever want to be amiss just to say I really do appreciate um, your willingness uh, really in the month of December that you just you bend over backwards and you give and you give and you give and you give. We are a very, very busy, busy church, and I like that. If, if you don't want a busy church and you don't want churches that do stuff, uh, probably just not the church for you because we just like to get involved and we like, to, we like to share the gospel. Amen, church? That's what we do. When disciples send. So uh, whatever. I just felt like I should uh, just once again reiterate and just say thank you. Uh, so if you got your Bible, Book of John's where we're at, and we kind of, <coughs> excuse me, keep going through this book, and... Uh, what had just happened in, in John chapter 9 and John chapter 10, you know, Jesus had just healed a blind man, 
spent some time talking about he's the good shepherd, and the shepherd takes care of the sheep. And this is good. You know, before that, he healed a, a, a crippled person, met a woman, you know, who had really kind of a messed up background and helped her in her life. And all these really good things have been happening in the book of John. And if you were one of the disciples, or if I was one of the disciples, and I was with, I was with Jesus at the time, you, at this moment, and of course, this book covers quite a period of time, but this moment, you'd be like, man, things are good. We're healing the blind, we're feeding the 5,000, you know, a lot of great things. You know, we're walking on the water. Uh, it's just, God's good, right? It's just good things are happening. And man, I just, I think I kind of like being a disciple. And this is kind of nice. And then, you know, they're ready to capture him and take him to jail. And poof, he kind of goes through the crowd and disappears. And man, whew, we got this. <laughs> this is fun. It, church, it's really easy to say God's good and God loves me. When things are good, when things are going well, when things are going the way that you and I want them to go, then it's praise the Lord. I mean, God is good all the time. You know, it's like when you get a promotion. Well, God's good. Yeah, he is. <laughs> or if you're a single person, you, you finally meet the right person. Well, praise the Lord. God's just good. I met the right person. Or my relationship's really going well. We're going we're gonna to get married. Or, or, you know, how about this one? You know, I was looking for a car, and, and I came across this car, and man, it's just the deal of the lifetime. The dealer told me that I got the best deal anyone's ever gotten on this car. Isn't God good? Or I bought a house, and you know, it's just a really great deal, and I just got this really great deal on a house, or, or God just put this thing together. You know, praise the Lord. Or, or you go to the doctor, and your health report you know, comes back, and your cholesterol is fine, and your blood pressure is fine. Boy, God's good. Why is God good? Because things are going what? The way that I want them to go. And, and God must really love me because he's taking care of me. I mean, he's just meeting my needs and got me a raise and got me a promotion and, and hooked me up with the right person. So it's real easy to say that God's good in those, those times. Uh, and it's really easy, easy to say that God so loves the world. Yeah, that's for me. God loves the world. I mean, I can see it. Well, how can you see it? Well, because things are going my way. God's good, Right? And then we get to John chapter 11, and it's kind of a reality check. Things don't go the way that everyone wanted them to go. They don't. Um, in life, things don't always go the way you want it to go. Um, you lose your job. Now, you say, pause, you say, well, this is not good, I lost my job, or I got a demotion, or I didn't get the raise. Well, hold on a second. A year ago, you were sitting in church, raising your hand, praising the Lord, saying, I got this job, it's unbelievable. The same God that got you the job is the same God that's still in charge when you, did, when you got passed over for the promotion. Or remember that really great deal you got on the used car, and now the car needs a new transmission. Well, <laughs> wait a second now. I thought God was good. Or the doctor's report doesn't come back the way you want it to. Or, or uh, someone that you love just left you. Or there's a natural disaster, there's a hurricane, there's a problem. Uh, the power is not on in your house or whatever. And it's real easy to say, God, don't you know, don't you know the suffering that I'm going through? Don't you know how bad this hurts? My friend's going to die. My spouse is going to pass away. This, this doctor's report's terrible. My kids are suffering. God, God, do you really love me? It's really easy to kind of go down that road if you've been in a trial and you've been in a time when things aren't going the way that you thought or you expected them to go. It's really easy to say, why, 
well, wait a second, it's your fault. It's just, it's easy to go there. Today we're going to look at a story, and I want you to lean in on John chapter 11. I want you to take some notes. If you can, I want you to write a couple things down. I'm going to help you out. We'll put the verses on the screen. I'll put a couple of quotes and stuff I want you to write down. Because things don't go the way that Jesus' best friends wanted them to go. And we're going to see what the reaction is. So John chapter 11, start off with verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. So all we know right now is that he's sick. We don't know what. But apparently they do everything. And they're finally down to verse 3. And they're going to call on Jesus because they don't know what else to do. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, just for a little geography to kind of get things in location, Lazarus and family is only two miles from where Jesus is at the time he gets notified that Lazarus is sick. It's only two miles. How long does it take to walk two miles? I don't know. Could you do it in 15, 20 minutes? Sure. You know, if you were in shape, probably less. So it's not like he's 100 miles away. It's not like he's in a different country. He's not in Egypt. He could be there in a matter of minutes, literally, but, but somehow, we get the word to Jesus about Lazarus. Go down to verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not in the death, but for the glory of the Lord. I want you to take your pen and underline those five words, for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So, there's, there's just not a whole lot of details that we really know in the story so far. It's interesting to note this that they don't tell Jesus the name of who's sick. I mean, we know it because we know the story. But they just say, you know, this is your friend. So they don't say what he's sick of. We don't know the details. We don't know, does he have cancer? Did he fall off a cliff? Did he break a leg? Is he having a heart attack? Does he just have the flu? What's happening? Let me just pause on this just for a moment, okay, just to kind of help us understand this a little bit. Does God have to know all the details about a situation to be aware of them in order to work a miracle? I mean, does he have to know? For instance, sometimes we pray and have prayer requests at church. Every Sunday night we do prayer meeting at church. I love Sunday night prayer meetings. Sometimes someone will say, Pastor, I just have an unspoken. And we'll just write down unspoken because it's private. Well, how come these people don't tell us everything in their prayer requests? Because maybe it's none of your business. Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's something we don't want to know about. We don't have to know what the other person sitting next to us is praying for. We can just pray for that person. Why? Because God knows. Jesus knows exactly all the details. We don't know who this person really is as of right now, right? We know it because we've read the story. But what's he sick of? Why is he sick? What's going to happen? The, the details aren't there. We don't have to know, church. Don't ever forget, God does know the details. Jesus knows the details, well, sometimes you don't know how to pray or what to pray for, but God, this is just not good. Okay, I know the details. I, I, I know. You may not know, but I know. All right? Just something interesting to remember. Go down to verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do me a favor. Would you underline this word loved in your Bible? I'm going to give you a quiz, and I want you to help me answer it. Here's the quiz, church. What does Jesus think about Martha and her sister and Lazarus? Does he like them or does he love them? Church, answer the question. What does he do? Is there any question in your mind that Jesus loves these people? Anybody have a question about this? 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned down by John, this verse is in the Bible. This is probably, I think, the most pivotal verse here in John chapter 11. A lot of commentaries think it's a verse later on that says Jesus wept. I don't think so. I think this is the whole story right here. Jesus loves Martha, loves her sister, and loves Lazarus. There is no question about it. Written down for all of eternity, for all of mankind. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no question mark. You don't have to read between the lines. God loves us. Amen, church? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is so important. This is so pivotal to really understand it. Yes, God loves the whole world, and God loves these three people in the story. So, the guy's sick. Now, pause for a second. <laughs> now, think about this. This guy is sick. We don't know what from. We don't know why. Let me ask you a question. Based on this verse, is God angry with Lazarus? Does God hate Lazarus? Is God disappointed with Lazarus? No. What does God think about Lazarus? He what? Loves him. This is not God being mean. It's not God being bad. This is, this is, this is, this is not God being disappointed. The Bible says God loves them. And this is so foundational to the whole rest of the story. Oh, God, but don't you know how bad the pain is? Don't you know my brother's sick? Don't you know, dear God, he may die? Don't you know this? Penned in that verse, it says, Jesus loved them. We don't even know the story yet, right? But he made it very clear. I love you. Let's go down to verse 6. Here we go. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, oh, my goodness, he abode two days still, in the same place where he was. What did the last verse say? It says, what? Jesus loves them. Amen, church? What does this verse say? I'm not going. <clears throat> Excuse me? I'm sorry? <laughs> no, I'm not going. I'm staying here. You're only, you know, 20 minutes away. Where, where's God's love now? I mean, I heard he was sick. Yeah, and Jesus is saying, I heard he's sick. I know he's sick. I know I'm close. And guess what? I'm not going today. Wow. Okay. God made, Jesus made a conscious decision to delay the trip. I needed you. Right? Praise God. God, I needed you. And you're delaying? What? Don't you know he's going to die? Don't you? Oh, yeah. Does Jesus know that Lazarus is sick? Does Jesus know what's going to happen to Lazarus? Of course he does. What does he do? He delays. Why is Jesus delaying? Now think of it this way, church. Let's read this backwards. I am going to delay my trip. Why? Look at the verse before it. Because of why? Because I love you. Who? Church. Whoa. What, why, is, why is Jesus going to delay on this? Why is he going to not take immediate action? Well, I think we have to remember this, you know, that the purpose of us being alive, the purpose that we have to be here on earth is to give glory to God. Nothing of my life, nothing that I own, nothing that I do is for me. All that I have, all that I am is for his glory. And somehow, some way in God's omnipotence and God's sovereignty, he says, you know what? 
You are for my glory, therefore I'm going to delay. Why? Because I want the rest of the world and the rest of your family and the rest of the people around you to get it and to know it and to see I love you. And it's going to take a couple days for your family to get this. It's going to take a couple days for the people in the town to see this. But boy, we sure don't like to wait. Does anybody here like to wait? Raise your hand if you just love to sit around and wait. How many of you like it when you go to, uh, you go to McDonald's or, or Chick-fil-A or whatever like that, and they say, okay, could you please pull forward to spot number one? Seriously? So I got to pull forward? It, the fries are right there. Just reach through. Give me those fries. No, sir, I'm sorry. Those are for someone else. What's the difference? I'm here now. Give them to me right now. We don't need to wait. I'll just take the fries and I'll take that Big Mac. Why, why do I need to pull forward to spot number one? Because you're going to forget about me, and I'm going to be out there for 20 minutes. Cars are going to pass me. I mean, it's just a Big Mac. Why is this so hard? You know? Uh, so sometimes God's going to make us wait. Hey, let me, let me, can I throw a little bit of, a little bit of advice to the young people in the room? Young people, can I give you some advice? Talking about waiting <laughs> and not being impatient. Young people, wait for God's timing in your life, Okay? Um, let, let God lead you. If you consider yourself a young person, consider that I'm speaking to you. Wait for God to lead you. Wait, wait, wait for God's timing. Boy, especially when it comes to a spouse, you wait for God's timing. But God, don't you know, you know, this is going to be the last train out of town, and I'm going to be left in, in single town the rest of my life. <laughs> really? Okay. Just... Young people, wait on God's timing, okay? It's, it's always the best. I know it's hard, but then we have to ask ourselves the question, do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? I mean, well, yeah, yeah, I trust God. Do you really trust God? Well, academically, maybe, but, but, but maybe not always in practice. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. When, uh, when we worry, you, think about this. When we worry, what are we, what are we doing? When we worry, we're not what? We're not trusting God. Don't you know my brother's sick? Yeah, I know. Why aren't you here? Yeah, it's really easy to, to go down that road. God, I don't trust your timing. God, don't you know what's best? Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 27 says, behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Look at the rest of that verse. Is there anything too hard for me. Church, let me just ask the question. Let's answer it. Is there anything too hard for God? Yes or no? No. Interesting in that verse and in that chapter, that question's actually never answered. It's a statement, but there is no answer to it. <laughs> but, but, but God, you don't understand. If you don't show up, this is going to be a great loss to me, to my family. God, I thought you said you loved us. I do. And, and I'm showing it by my delay. I'm showing it by not answering your prayer the way you want it. I'm intentionally pulling back. Church, get this. I'm intentionally pulling back until what you thought was the worst thing that could possibly happen in your family happens. And then, and then we look forward to the rest of the story. When the worst thing that could possibly happen happens, then I'll take care of it. Because that's how we are, isn't it? That's how that's our life. God, but you don't understand. This is terrible. This is the worst thing that, that could possibly ever happen in my life. 
And God's going, yep. And because I love you, I'm going to delay and let the worst possible thing that you could ever think happen actually happen. Wow. I don't know if I like John chapter 11. I don't know if I do either. But God, I thought you could move mountains. I can move mountains. Except I don't need a mountain moved right now. I just need you to come heal my brother. That's why I need you to come help me get a job. I need you to help me get a new car. I need you to help me with a, with a health issue. Skip on down to verse 7. Let's keep going the story. John chapter 11, verse 7. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Verse 8. His disciples say unto him, Master... The Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou uh, thither again, you're, you're going to go. Uh, don't you remember they tried to kill us last time? <laughs> There's nothing like some good old-fashioned encouragement. Let's go on a road trip. Uh, I don't think we should. Don't you remember they tried to kill you last time? Don't you just hate it when there's people that complain? How do you like to be around people that are encouragers? How many of you like to be around people that are encouragement? Raise your hand. You like to be around people that are encouragement? Yeah. I do too. I think it's good. It, why is it that the critics are always the loudest, and the people that are supporting you are always the most quiet. I, don't, I wish it was the other way around. Those of you that are entrepreneurs, your business managers, or people that run businesses, or, or you know, you've done stuff like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The one guy goes in and he complains and makes the biggest fuss you know, because you know, his chicken sandwich isn't done right, but the last 10,000 people were totally satisfied customers and they never said anything. But the one person, the complainer, is always the loudest. I think about these complainers, you know. The complainers are always a source of opposition, you know. Th well, think about this for a minute. Think about, think about this story. Now think, we, we're reading the story. We know the insides, but they were living it in real time. Jesus hears this guy's sick. He says, I love you, and I'm going to delay. Now he says, okay, we're ready to go, let's go. And they say, are you sure you want to go? Last time we went there, they tried to kill us. You know, Whenever sometimes we complain, it's like a source of opposition to the will of God. Think about it. When we complain, God's will is I'm going back to there. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Bethany there. And they're like, no, don't go. What are they saying? Literally, God, I oppose your will. I know this is what you want to do, but it's not right. Let me tell you how we should do it. <laughs> okay, if you're going to do that, let me step off to the side. <laughs> I don't want to be the person known for opposing God's will. Church, when we complain, when we give God advice, do you think that helps God, advise, God out? I don't think so. I don't want to be known as someone who's in the opposition to God's will. Right? I, just wanna, I don't want to be known as that kind of person. Go down to verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, guys... Lazarus is dead. This is plainly. Look at verse 15. And I am what? Read the next word out loud, church. What's it say? I'm sorry. <laughs> what did the verse before this say? Then said Jesus to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go into him. So I thought you said you loved us. Now you're delaying the visit while he's sick. Now you tell me he's dead. And now you tell me you're glad you didn't go. Ah, this is really weird. This is strange. I don't understand this. Right, because you're not God. Jesus is saying, I'm going to work in your life 
in my timing because I'm God, you're not. But God, if you would have just been here, no, the fact that there's going to be the worst thing possible ever happened in your life is going to draw you closer to me. It's going to help you. It's going to cause you to grow. It's more important, think about this church, your spiritual growth is more important to me as your heavenly father than the fact that your brother stays alive. Whoa. That's what it is. It's more important to me that, that you grow in this moment than that your brother stays alive. Wow. God, this is just a, a, a heavy thing. <laughs> Let's keep going. Take a look down. I, I, I thought it, you know, it was interesting too. I was thinking about this. The story really here is not about Lazarus dying. The story is not even about the fact that Jesus is going to bring him back to life. It's not about his resurrection. The story that we're reading is about God's love. He said very clearly, I love these people. And therefore, this is what's going to happen. The rest of the story is going to play out. Look at verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was near unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Oh, 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 really? I bet you Mary wasn't too happy. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Wow, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Instead of her attitude saying, God, I want to grow. Lord, I'm ready to grow. What is it you're trying to teach me in this moment? I just want to let you know, had you been here, he wouldn't be dead. Whoa. Christian maturity is not an outward compliance, but an inward thinking that is transformed. That delay made the trial solely the cause of God. God, you delayed, and now he died. Can't blame your boss, can't blame your spouse, can't blame the neighbor. The only reason Lazarus is dead is because you weren't here. You're the guy to blame. Look what she says, verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Yeah, I know this wouldn't have happened, but yeah, and I know you're God. I know you can do something. Verse 23, Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Go down to verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe what I'm saying? She said unto him, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Yes, God, I get it. I get it. You were in control of the past. Just the other day, you healed a blind person. You made the crippled person walk. I get that. I understand that someday in the resurrection, you know, we're going to rise again. We'll spend an eternity in heaven. I get, I get that you did it yesterday. I get that you're going to do it tomorrow. But right now, he's dead. And I don't know if I trust you right now. I mean, in this moment, I just don't really know if you're in control of this situation right now. This is my world. I, I get that. That in heaven it'll be okay. I get that. Yesterday you took care of the problems, but right now, the problem is right now. I need a job. I need a car. I need some money. I got some health concerns. I got family issues right now. I know it'll be okay in heaven, but I'm not there. I'm right here. Get on to verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, <laughs> saying unto him I just can't imagine. This is so, I mean, it's bizarre to read this because we're looking at it in history. Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. <laughs> Lord, it's like this. I really want to worship you right now, <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you screwed up. You messed up. And, and I really kind of know what's better because 
because I'm a human being, and I kind of know what you should have done. It's really kind of your fault. You should have been here. You could have been here. You intentionally let it happen. You're not here. You could have walked here. This is your fault. I mean, God, I really want to worship you, but you should have. Whoa, you could have, would have, should have. That's just, that's just an unpleasant situation to be in right there. And God says, I want you to trust me in the middle of this trial. I, I, I know what's going to happen in the future. You know, I, God, I, 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 I don't know if I can. So let me, go, let me go back to that verse real quick. Church, do we all believe God loves us? Everybody here believe God loves us? The, the verse said that he loves those people. Do, do you believe John chapter 3, verse 16? What does it say? For God so what? The who? The world. Are you part of the world? Am I part of the world? We're all part of the world. So no attribute of God is more emphasized in Scripture than his love. Yet no attribute of God is more doubted when we are in the burden of a trial. It all boils down to this unbelief, this, this disorder of having unbelief, because it places things in the wrong order. That's why it's called a disorder. For example, you know, we know the Bible says in, in, in John 3.16 or Jeremiah 31.3, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's the truth. But we get into a trial, we reject God's truth, and we say, God doesn't love me. Church, that is unbelief. It elevates our conclusions about God. Here's a fact. God cannot love everyone and not love me. That's a truth. God loves the world, yeah, but he doesn't love me. What are Mary, Martha, and the crew saying? God, you may love everyone. You took care of the blind person. Someday we'll be in heaven forever with you. But I don't know if you love me right now. I, I need something more. We, we like to say, church, here's what we like to say. We like to say, I, say, I shoulda or I coulda or why didn't this happen? Do you ever think about that? that what are those? Those are unbelief sometimes. That God's not really in control. We like to say, I, I should be in a bigger house. I should be rich. I should be married. I should have finished college. I should be successful by now. I should have a higher paying job. I should have a better family. I should be debt free. I should have a decent home. I don't like my circumstances. I don't like my job. I don't like my spouse. I don't like my standard of living. I don't like having to depend on other people. I don't like my body when it, when it won't let me work like it used to. I don't like having to work so hard. I don't like it when I work hard and no one seems to notice. These are really dangerous situations to be in church. Because it draws us away from a temptation that draws us away from God. God, are you really in control? God, you should have been here. I don't like the fact my brother's dying. I don't like. This isn't fun. And over and over again, God says, I love you. God says, I want to take care of you. But God, I don't think you know what you're doing. If you knew what you were doing, you would have been here. You need to see what's happening. Down to verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. And Jesus wept. People say, well, why did... I used to love this verse as a kid. What's your favorite verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Why? Because it's the only one I can memorize. You know, he's not weeping because Lazarus died. Some people often think that. He's weeping because what? They don't believe him. They're not trusting in him. The whole story is about the fact God loves you and he's taking care of you. They don't believe it. He's really sad by this whole thing. It's just, yeah, you trust me academically, but, but, but are you trusting me to make a good decision in your life? Go down to verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he hath been dead four days. And when he was, verse 43, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him, and let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, they what? Believed on who? On him. Side note, side note, they didn't repent of all their sins. They didn't change their ways. They didn't start going to church. They didn't take Holy Communion. They didn't get baptized. They didn't stop doing drugs. What does it say they did? They believed on him. What's the condition for salvation? Our belief, not our good works. <laughs> and there's just an amazing thing here. He just makes it really clear. I delayed the people in town, the people in your community need me to delay the answer to your prayer. Why? Because I want them to see this. And if they see this, the end result in the end of John chapter 11 is, and they had seen these things which Jesus did, and they what? Believed on him. Had Jesus answered the prayer the moment he heard the prayer, these people may have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may have never seen the wondrous works. That's an amazing thing. Church, sometimes we don't quite get the grasp of that or the depth of his timing. But, my, I mean, literally in heaven, what's the verse say? Many of the Jews. Someday we'll get to heaven and we're going to meet many of the Jews of that town. And they're going to say, well, well, we're here. Why are you here? Because Lazarus died and, and Jesus didn't answer a prayer when we thought he should. Do you think Martha and Mary are going to be upset in heaven for the rest of eternity? Why didn't you show up? Yeah. Well, they might. It would be kind of interesting if they were. No. They're going to say, I'm really glad you delayed because what? Many believed on him. God, you can make good decisions in my life. God, whatever trial I'm in, I have to trust you. I have to lean on you. I have to understand, God, you've allowed this to happen. I may not like it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't make me look good. It's uncomfortable. It's not a pleasant place to be. But God, I prayed. I asked for it. You decided not to answer. And that, I can trust you. I can sit there and say, academically, yes, I believe God can take care of me. I believe God loves me. But this is where the rubber hits the road where you can really say, no, I really do believe God loves me. I really can sit here and rest and say, you know what? God delayed because God loves me. I can trust his timing. I don't understand it. I may not know about it in two years or 20 years. But God, I can trust your timing in my life. Church, it's easy to preach and talk that chapter. Isn't it easy to say, oh yeah, trust God. It's easy until it's you. Until it's your brother dying or your family member that's sick or your job or your money or your health or your car or, or, or your government or whatever it is. It's easy to say it until push comes to shove and then we have to really get down and say, you know what? I really do trust God. I really can believe you. God, I prayed about it, I requested it, but it's ultimately in your hands. I can trust your timing. Church, think about that this week. Think about, think about it when your power goes out. Think about <laughs> when it's cold and you can't get your driveway shoveled or whatever happens. Uh, but we're all going to run into situations. We're all going to run into situations where it's hard to trust God. 
Go back to John chapter 11 and read it. When you're in the middle of a trial, when you're in a hard time, when things just aren't going the way you, you think they're going, go back and read it from this context and say, you know what? God knew all along. He said he loved them, and then he said he's going to delay, and then he says, I'm glad I'm delaying because better things are going to come of it. Okay? And that's, I want that to be encouragement for all of us. That's encouragement for me. Okay? I want that to be encouragement for you this coming week, this coming year. All right? You think about that. You pray about that. Let's close with the gospel. We'll be done today. What is the gospel? Well, we kind of just talked about it. John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say whosoever takes Holy Communion. It doesn't say whosoever good, whosoever stops sinning. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stop sinning? Wouldn't that be awesome? If you could just turn it off and say, you know what, I'm not going to sin anymore. But you still sin. Still have bad thoughts, you still have evil thoughts, you're still jealous, you're still envious, right? We still have those kind of thoughts. All the time we have those thoughts. All the time we have those kind of actions. We still sin, but the, the condition of salvation is not our goodness, it's our faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 over here on this side. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God, not of works. It's not what you do, it's believing that Jesus loves you so much. He died on the cross, paid your sin debt by trusting that, by believing in that alone. God, I believe you died on the cross, you paid my sin debt. That's all I'm believing in. God says you are forever part of my family. All right? Let's close with a word of prayer and let's be done. Father, we thank you for our study in the word today. Thank you for delaying. Oh boy, that was really hard for Martha and Mary and the family and the neighbors and the relatives. That was a tough one. That was a really tough one. But we look back at it and we say, well, thankful that you delayed because so many people were saved because of the way you decided to answer that prayer. You knew it. You knew what was going to happen. You knew what, what the, the people in the community needed to see, and you did it. Lord, help us to trust you when times are dark, and we all run into dark times. Who knows what this year has to hold for any of us? Health reports, financial reports, government reports, any, who knows what could happen this year? But even when it's the darkest of dark, the hardest of times, the loneliest of times, we're still going to trust you. Say, God, I can trust you in the middle of my darkest moment because you're God and I'm not. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that's trusted you as Savior, maybe for the first time this morning, they put their trust in you as, as their Savior. I pray, Lord, you would just give them a special blessing in their life, help them to grow, help them to get involved in the church and learn more about you. I pray these things in your name we ask. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.